Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome on today's episode of Partially Excited. We got Joanne Cahan. She is a sleep coach, author, and she knows everything about how to sleep and what to sleep. Hello, welcome to the show, Joanne. How are you doing today? Hey, Aaron. Thanks so much for inviting me on. You know, we all sleep from birth to death, but tell us a little bit how you came across what you do. So I suppose my journey, I had various times during my life when I didn't get enough sleep and, you know, I was very severely sleep deprived. You know, my when I growing up in my family, uh, my father drank quite an awful lot and I was the only one in the house who worked. Ten of us living in the house at the time, including me, and got it be one, two o'clock in the morning, maybe even later again, I'd get asleep. And I'd be up early for work the next day. And this would be going on day after day, night after night. And I was going into work exhausted. And I used to go into the bathroom and literally just close the door and sit in the toilet seat there and just have a pair of snooze. <laughs> I was that tired. But you know something, you know, being that sleep deprived, all messed inside can severely affect everything, your cognitive function, your physical ability, your immune system you know, how you relate to people and, you know, just not been able to perform in, in everyday life. So it's quite serious. So when I met Pat Slattery, he got me to write a book. You know, he said, what's the biggest pain point that people have? You know, what's the biggest frustration? Prior to meeting Pat Slattery, I, you know, I, I've trained in, in, in massage and reflexology and all of that. And a lot of clients that came to me said, you know, I'm very fatigued. I've no energy. I can't sleep. And I just said to myself, this is, this really is a, a massive area that people are lacking in that really need it because it has a knock-on effect, not just on the individual level, but, you know, in their families and, you know, the people they work with, people in society and also children. And that's really where my passion lies as well is, is children because 
children learn from our behaviours and how we are being in life as well. And, you know, sleep is the foundation of all our health and our wealth. So so that's, that's the reason why I got into the whole sleep area. And growing up, did your dad have that problem or was it recent in your teens or...? No, see, my father drank quite enough. Last week, come in drunk at night time and that's, he never stopped talking, you know, and he, he, he just wants to talk to everybody. And, and, and of course, as well, there was, there were, you know, there were violent times too, you know, when he drank too much. So like he was an alcoholic. You know, so I had it when I was when I was when I was young. I had it when uh, uh, I lost a baby. I lost a baby in 2007, and through grief, like I, I experienced grief for a long time, for a number of years, and that in itself prevented me from sleeping properly as well. And that had an impact on every area of my life, and my career, uh, on, on me as a person, on, on my relationships, and my physical health. And um, it took me a long time to get over that, and you know, it impacted me so badly because when I was very young, I, I there was an abuse case and I had a child very young had a child when I was 16, 17 so of course when I did and when I got married and got pregnant in 2007 and then I lost my little daughter that was it was just a massive massive impact that was actually when I had that life changing moment and my whole life turned around it was really the start of discovering who I was you know and I got very much into health and the power of the mind and you know really been responsible for yourself and listening to your body and and sleep is just ultimately the foundation of everything you know it seems like that um that experience kind of changed your mindset is that something mm-hmm. you were thinking beforehand or that just naturally that grief just naturally kicked you into a, into progression to be more healthy and look after your sleep there was always a certain element of it there i was always kind of a curious person and you know wondering why people behave and do what they do and how they, they react and what have you. But I never really took it any further. And it was really only when I lost my daughter, Megan, in 2007, and I went through that whole grief thing. And I could see that I was changing as a person. It got to the stage where I was very jealous of other people who were having children and I couldn't cope with it. And it got so bad, I was avoiding my own brothers and sisters who were just after having children. And I got... I actually hate people who are having children or who had children. And it was it was a bit like too much. It got too much and too intense. And that was when I said to myself, you know what, Joanne, you are not this person. This is not who you are. I'm, I'm a lovely, kind, compassionate person. And I was throwing all this hate and anger and jealousy out in the world. And that was when I said to myself, why am I acting like this? And that's when that kind of resurfaced again, all those questions. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And I found a spiritual lady and she taught me all about self-love again. And that's what was missing, you know, loving myself, forgiving myself. That was massive, you know, because I was giving myself such a hard time over everything that happened when I was younger, you know. It was just a whole self-discovery and into health and and how the power of the mind and, you know, you have more access to the power of your mind when you sleep well, you know, and um, you can go deeper and go more inward when you're relaxed and you're, you, that fight or flight is turned off, you know, that everyday business, you know, when you're more calm and relaxed and you've rest well and you sleep well, you can really access the power of the mind even more powerfully. So I, I guess that's, that's when I had that turn and, you know, discovering the power of the mind and getting into all the health and that kind of thing, you know. The 
important family members and and people around you they, they see this this change in you as well um, occurring yeah I mean absolutely they do and I'm the eldest in the family so I was always so I was always like the leader in, in the house my younger brothers and sisters always looked up to me I was the first one to get the job first one to buy the car first one to buy my house they, they always looked up and respected me and, you know, looked for advice off me. And even when it comes to health as well, I mean, nothing phases them, you know, about me and what, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. And so they do look up to me. They do have a lot of respect for me. And at times they keep their distance from me as well because they're not on the same level as me as well. And that happens too. And, you know, I guess it's all in how you're being, you know, you attract whatever it is whatever way that you are being that's exactly and what you focus on and that's exactly what you attract into your life so at times my family will flock around me and other times if they're not willing to have a look at things in their lives or whatever that that's when I find they keep their distance and it's the same with everybody in life I think that's just how we as human beings work yeah I think and and being the oldest when you um had a miscarriage did you feel the the burden the stress in the family is the oldest not having the child yeah yeah and actually it wasn't a miscarriage it was actually I went full term with her and it was actually on the day yeah like it was just incredible how it happened like it was right right on the day that she was due I carried her right up to the last day I mean that's I think that's probably why it had such a big impact as well you know And, and then when I buried Megan that was the same day that my brother got married that was over in Australia so all my family were in Australia I had nobody with me all my family were away abroad in Australia and my brother was married the same day we buried Megan so it was like you know, it was like a big, loud knock on the door from the universe, you know, and uh, it was just incredible. That must have been hard, you bearing your own child about your, your family being around you. No, it was and it wasn't. I, th- I look at it like a blessing now because I know my mother, everybody rung me, of course, and um, my mother was, she wanted to get on the plane and come home to me. But she was in hysteria, like she was just hysterical about the whole thing. And, you know, it was my first daughter, it was her first granddaughter, my first daughter, and she just wanted to come home and be with me. And right at that very time, I said to my mother, no, mom, stay where you are because I had to deal with what I was dealing with. With her energy been around me, it, it would not have helped me. She was over in Australia with all her family, with all her other sons and daughters and, you know, um, other family in-laws and all that. She was in the best place. Like she was with me in spirit, but for her to come over and be with me in that kind of frame of mind and hysteria and upset, it wouldn't have helped me because I was really going through I can't even describe it. I mean, you're not supposed to lose, you know, your children are not supposed to die before you. That's not the, the natural way of life, you know. And and then with everything that happened in the past as well. She came home maybe two weeks later and, you know, it, it was just all perfect how it worked out and how it helped me to cope. But I had my husband with me and I had his family and I had a lot of friends around me. I had just what I needed and it was just perfect, you know, to get through it. It's, it's fascinating how we have things that may seem odd to people, but yet in our own world, it seems perfect. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, she got it, though, she, you know, and same with my brothers. Some of them came home early from Australia, uh, maybe a week later or something. But my auntie from America came home from America to uh, be at the funeral so that I had she represented my family. And that's how we did it. And so I just had my auntie, uh, my auntie Barbara. Um, she came home from Atlanta and, and that's the way we did it and it was just perfect otherwise it would have been too much you know with too, too many emotions from everybody else from a close family you know so it was just perfect and after this you did you go and discover 
holistic therapies and sleep to to boost yourself yeah well it's funny because when I when I was having Megan I was in a job for 17 years and I left it I I just left it on my own accord because I wanted to be to be a home mother I wanted everything to be perfect so obviously when I lost Megan I had to go go back out and work I couldn't because I was sitting at home I was still on maternity leave but I was looking at the four walls going mental because all I was doing was thinking about what happened so I went out and got another job I was in that job for three or four years and it was fantastic but in the meantime I wanted to upskill myself and do something different and also find out more about health so that's when I started doing massage and Reiki reflexology Indian head massage you name it all those therapies and that was when I with the with the crash then in 2000 and when was it 2008 so it was 2011 actually it was a few years later that was when I started my own business and I started doing the the massages and all that sleep came later on but that's how it initially started. Learning all these therapies, you learned a lot about your individual self as well through this. Yeah, I did. I learned so much about the power of the body and, you know, listening to the body and energy when I done the Reiki. And what really fascinated me was, you know, we experience all these emotions and traumas and everything. And, you know, they could be there for a long time before we actually see symptoms. But our body is always giving us signals and signs and we just ignore it. You know, what fascinated me was, you know, and what kind of really woke me up was we really have to listen to our bodies and mind ourselves and be respectful of our bodies. You know, it's like I always remember in the in the, in the programming world when I when I used to do programming, my teacher used to say to me, error messages are your friends. And I always thought that was really weird, you know, but your error messages are your friends. It, it tells you what's wrong so that you can fix it and have your program run right. Well, it's the same in the human body. You know, your body are your, is your friend because it's, it's giving you a signal or an indication to fix something, you know, or align it properly before it gets it turns into disease, you know, or cancer or whatever, you know. So I just think it's fascinating how intelligent the body is. It's just, it's just beyond, um, it's, it's just incredible how powerful the body is. It's cool as well because you, you just said as a programmer and the body is like a program, program. it's, it's cool to connect the two yeah. together. Yeah, absolutely. And the same with the brain, you know, and the, the, the mind and, you know, we're programmed through life as we grow up from our society, from our parents, our, our um, teachers. We're programmed to uh, perceive things and believe things in a certain way and it's all true. Uh, other people's behaviors especially when we're children growing up to the age of seven or you know that that's when everything's just absorbed like a sponge and we just take everything at face value when we're when we're children with children especially in those younger years that's why i'm so passionate about children and you know parents do have a role to play in in raising children and their, how their conscious awareness and you know um how they've been programmed yeah like it just it's just incredible you you said you did you did programming what did you do yeah i did a lot of different programming i done i started off uh, with web designing the html if anyone knows knows html so i started off with that and then i went into c programming and java i done java and i did vba uh, in the company that i worked there was a lot of uh, excel spreadsheets required and project management reports and sales reports performance reports and these all had to be out by half nine every morning so i programmed all the reports to input the raw data and produce it out in lovely graphs and pivot tables and so I programmed all that so you literally just pressed a button and you'd get your daily report and it was just incredible I loved it I loved every minute of it I wouldn't be bothered now (laughs) with it but uh, I loved it when I was doing it (laughs) 
What did you like about it? I just loved how you just get getting the programs to work and you know that you could program a computer to do exactly what it what it is that you wanted it to do and just press a button and have it do it and you you could manipulate it you could have it turn out any way you want any colors or whatever it's just it's just such power in it you know and been able to do that and produce something so effective and saving so much time and enabling other people to do or their jobs that they didn't have to manually do this or process and all this data I just loved it. I just loved the power of getting in behind the, the computer, you know, and actually causing something to happen, you know. You must have a ma- mathematical mind then if you loved programming. Yeah, I did at the time. I wouldn't say so much now, but I did at the time because I was practicing it quite an awful lot. But yeah, I, I I am creative now. I'd be a lot more creative now than what I used to be. But I did, but I had that, exp- I've really been um, analytical it's just incredible you know to be able to experience and an awful lot of people actually say to me my god what what had you turn from computer programming to health and wellness because <laughs> it's such a vast like it's such a vast um but I, you know it's funny because a lot of people in the health and wellness and spiritual world you know some it causes for something to happen change your trajectory in life you know and uh, something happens that causes that change and for me it was it was losing Megan it was it was when I lost Megan I'd look at Megan now as a gift I miss her every day and I I always wonder you know what she would look like and all of that but it's a blessing because my life I'm actually really really happy in my life now and I would not have had that if I hadn't if I didn't lose Megan if I didn't have that in my life so that's so there's, there's always a blessing in everything that happens in life and for me, that's that's what I got from from Megan's death. And I believe she was with me for, like, she's with me every day. But for the first couple of years after she died, I could, I know it's really, some people probably wouldn't get it, but I, but I believe in angels and all that. And I believe that she was around me and guiding me in everything that I was doing, you know, for those few years afterwards. And when I was discovering myself and finding love again and for, for myself and respecting myself and valuing myself again, you know. And believing that I was worthy, too often we're critical of ourselves and putting ourselves down and saying we're not good enough, and it just robs you of your life, you know. So you know, it's so important to you know believe in yourself and to value yourself, and you know, everyone's unique, everyone's individual, and that's what's so special about each and every one of us, and that's what I got to see. So that's that's just a miracle. It's interesting how grief was your your miracle to change who you are, and and Megan gave you that opportunity in some way to to say, Joanne, come on, let's let's change something in in your life, and you have. But it's fascinating yeah. how we get miracles every day that we're not aware of. Yeah, and it it, it really is incredible because you know without experience and you know like you know there's a, there's a different um, you know it's it's all vibration and it's all energy. It's like the yin and the yang. You know you can't experience day time without experience and nighttime and it's the same with our emotions you know and grief um you know you can't ex- you need to experience grief before you can experience joy and happiness in your life and you know uh, fear and anger and hurt and you need to experience that level before you can really have an appreciation of love and joy and appreciation all those other great things as well so i really believe that too so i do embrace when we have challenges in our lives um, because we need to experience that in order for us to appreciate what's on the other side of it. 
it's just it's just all like I don't see like life happens I don't see it as life is happening to me you know people say oh look what happened to me and to me that's like a victim mode you know when we say look what happened to me rather I like to reframe that as look at um, how I am happening to life Um, because it's always our response like life is going to happen and we're always going to have challenges but it's always down to how we perceive it and how we respond to it that's really what life is all about and I, I believe we're put here on this planet to discover ourselves through all these challenges and you know to learn from them and it doesn't happen by mistake you know it's that's part and and I also believe as well that if you see a challenge there's obviously something there for you to look at in yourself the next person beside you might not see a challenge in it at all so there's nothing for them to look at in that situation or that event or whatever so whenever we as individuals are experiencing challenges in our lives there's always something to look at that for ourselves I, I think when we can see that it's just it's just a miracle it's just you know because it's given us an opportunity of possibilities yeah and, and your opportunity was to to go and do holistic therapies and have a business and be a sleep coach and an author so and, yeah and family you know yeah completely absolutely and you know when I wrote the book how to get a good night's sleep it, that was a fascinating journey as well because I never expected to write a book on sleep it was only when Pat asked me that question you know what's the biggest frustration that people are experiencing right now I went back to my consultation sheets and, you know, people were saying, oh, I'm so tired. I have no energy. And I know that we're living very busy lifestyles and we're commuting long hours to work. And a lot of people aren't even giving themselves that break during the daytime. They just want to keep going. They want to get as much work as they can get done. And people are burning themselves out and people aren't respecting their bodies. You know, what I got to see was I've done a lot of research as well about the physical and mental, you know, consequences when we don't sleep properly. And I was just fascinated again by how powerful our body is. So the book is backed up with an awful lot of scientific evidence. And it's really only in the last 15 to 20 years that sleep is really starting to be studied, you know, and the other elements of holistic like diet, nutrition and exercise, they're equally very, very important as well. But one of the things that we often overlook is sleep getting a good night's sleep and how that impacts us and it helps it's all holistic you know it's all holistic we need sleep to you know absorb our our foods and nutrients effectively and we need sleep to repair the body after exercising so it's all connected and it's just incredible it is incredible but we don't think that we think we need to be awake Mm. and caffeinated and, and and processes and work and so on you know yeah yeah completely completely and writing the book can it kind of make you reflect on sleep and you at the same time? Yeah, compl- absolutely. Because, you know, I when I wrote the book, I wrote the book initially because, you know, it was something that other people needed, right? But never thought for a second really about myself. And in writing the book, discovered a lot of things, a lot of practices, you know, uh, you know, about the routine and the circadian rhythm and how the body likes to be in a routine. We, you know, all our cells right down to our cellular level, we all, uh, our cells have biological clocks themselves and how timing is so important for everything, even eating. For me, what I discovered was getting up at the same time every day and going to bed at the same time every day has a profound effect on uh, how well we sleep at nighttime. And really one thing that I got to discover too is how we start our day will determine how well we sleep at nighttime. So getting sunshine in the morning when we, you know, when you get up. And and one thing that I do is I pull the blinds across the minute I wake up in the morning 
and uh, get sunshine, you know. And, you know, I could I could be sitting in the kitchen having my breakfast and I'll make sure the windows are open, the sun will come in, even if it's in the winter time. Getting outside is brilliant, but it's not always. It could be raining outside or whatever. So it's just just get allowing that daylight into into your room uh, will stop the melatonin, switch off the melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. And I think when people get that knowledge and that understanding of how powerful and the simple things that we need to do that can help start our day off well and then help us sleep more effectively at night time. But I adapted an awful lot of things like even gratitude first thing in the morning and gratitude at night time as well. That will help your stress levels. Practicing the first thing in the morning sets you up for the day. Again, reducing your stress levels during the daytime, enabling you to sleep well at nighttime. So just simple little things that I picked up along the way when I was writing the book um, that I put into practice that really helped make my sleep more profound, you know, and more effective as well. And for me to appreciate my sleep again, even that a little bit more deeper. In, in looking at the, the studies for sleep, what was your aha moment of reading it or your outstanding point through the case studies or the research? One of the biggest ones, and, it's, and I'm using it quite an awful lot now given the current climate with this virus going around, is when you sleep for five hours or less, typically five hours or less, your immune system is very severely uh, compromised. Like our immune system is built, um, the fight and infection fires or T cells, which is our fire or killer cells, part of the immune system. They are made or generated during the nighttime when we're sleeping, but not, not in a light sleep. It's only when we're in a deep phase of sleep. So it's really important to get good quality of sleep. And this was probably one of the most significant findings that I found when you sleep for five hours or less. And Matthew Walker actually uh, says this in his book, Why We Sleep. He says up to 70% of your immune system is suppressed. I, I think that's just profound, you know, and, and this has been backed up in studies as well. So I think that is probably, and our immune system is our protection mechanism. Like we always need our immune system to be strong and functioning well. You know, there's so many diseases and autoimmune diseases and brain uh, degeneration problems. Just, just so much. So it is so vital that our immune system is really, really strong. And a good night's sleep again, coming back to that can really help keep our immune system strong and keep us safe from all these diseases. I was listening to your presentation the other day that you did in the Outstanding Network group and you mentioned about the synovial fluid through the brain through sleep. I've never heard that before. I thought, wow, it makes complete sense, you know. Yeah, and again, that was only discovered in the last 15 years or so. And really what it is, the brain, like our body has what's called the lymphatic system and the lymph, really the, the, the purpose of the lymph is to gather any waste uh, products in our body or toxins in our body and there's always toxins and waste products you know especially when our cells are working away so the lymph takes all that de- debris is part of a detoxification process our brain works independently because obviously the brain is more sensitive and uh, we don't want toxins going into the brain so it has the blood brain barrier so the brain has its own lymphatic system if you like or its own immune system it's called the glymphatic system and the word glymphatic just came from the glial cells in the brain and literally when we're in a deep phase of sleep again practically when we're unconscious the tissues shrink and this is what enables the fluid the the cerebral spinal fluid to flush around and literally literally just wash the brain out basically giving a good uh, washout you know taking away all the debris and toxins and all of that 
And uh, that was that, that was actually probably another another study that I found that I was quite fascinated by, you know, and a lot of people aren't aware of this. And there's a lot of, when I said, uh, brain degeneration problems and diseases. And one of them is Alzheimer's, dementia and Alzheimer's. And it has been found in patients with Alzheimer's to have these clusters of a protein, a toxic protein called beta amyloid. And this is one of the proteins that the lymphatic system flushes away. Now, there's lots of things that can cause Alzheimer's, but it, but it is a big contributing factor, you know, when you're very severely sleep deprived. Yeah, that was another fascinating finding as well, the lymphatic system in the brain. It's amazing how, you know, we think, ah, no, this and that. But when you break it down, we need natural sleep to flush everything out, everything moving, recovery, etc. you know? Yeah, like it's so important because our body is only ever in one of two states at any time so it's either in a rest and digest state that's when you know everything's calm and peaceful and that's when all the healing is done or there's the fight or flight and both serve us you know at different times but the problem is is we're in this fight or flight uh, too much and sometimes continuously especially when you know we're worrying and all the rest and anxiety but when we're sleeping at night time this is the only time when we're really in that deep restful state and uh, we do need to get the quality because the good quality is when we go into stages three and four that's our deep phase of sleep most of us have our deep well we have our deep phase of sleep in the first half of the night so that's why it's really important not to be going to bed at three o'clock in the morning type of thing you know because you're really missing out on that deep healing and restorative sleep you know, we need it for after our exercise and, you know, uh, lo- loads of different processes in the body. And we really need to detox the body enable for it, to enable it to function optimally the next day. You, you said three and four. Are there different stages or different times or what? Explain what three and four means. Yes. So in our sleep, we have this whole architecture of sleep. So we have cycles of sleep and within each cycle, there is five different stages. So stages one, two, three, and four, this is called NREM sleep, stages one, two, three, and four. One and two is just a light sleep. That's when we're nodding off and getting into a light sleep. Three and four is the, the most important. Three and four is a deep phase of sleep where all the healing and repairing is done. And then stage five, this is your REM sleep. Stage five is where we dream. And REM is is for the, the rapid eye movement where your eyes actually move. It's the, all the rest of your muscles are kind of paralyzed and that's to prevent you from acting out your dreams as it were. So your REM sleep is really important for your emotional health and your, your mental health and processing all the emotions of the day. But three and four happens in the first half of the night. So, you know, the ideal time, for, and it, this doesn't suit everybody, but for the majority or the masses, if you like, going to bed by 11 p.m. for the first half of the night, that's where we have optimal deep sleep. And then in the second half of the night, this is where we do our optimal REM sleep or dream sleeping. So we, we dream mostly in the second half of the night. And that's primarily how the, the whole sleep architecture works. And so, so what I like to say as well is um, when people drink alcohol or a, lot of, or a lot of alcohol, this can interfere with your sleep quality because it doesn't allow you to go into that deep phase of sleep. But it has also been shown that alcohol can interfere with your REM sleep. It can actually block or prevent that REM sleep. You know, the, the peop- if, if you're, you know, there's a lot of people that like to have a nightcap maybe and they're dependent on a nightcap. Now, an odd one isn't too much, but it will still have, it will still have that effect, still not getting your optimal sleep when you do have alcohol beforehand. So really need to watch out for if you're going to bed locked or something, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes, you'll pass out and you'll, you'll pass out, it'll get you to sleep. But, 
but you won't you won't have a good night of sleep good quality sleep when you're drinking quite a lot before bed at night time so that's the architecture and, and how the, the sleep works at night time i know when we snore it's kind of poor sleep hygiene and, and maybe this is incorrect or not but when, if we get into that stage three and four is that when we start snoring yeah and you know you don't even have to hit stage three and four like my husband now for example he has sleep apnea so sleep apnea is that obstruction obstruction um in the airways that and with that comes an awful lot of snoring but if you have it could, you could be overweight and even people who aren't overweight have the, the obstructive sleep apnea or snore so there could be something mechanical uh, in the body as well but drink or alcohol will relax will relax the tissues in the throat and that will cause you to snore as well but you can actually start snoring as soon as you fall asleep my husband um he is sleep deprived because he has the sleep apnea sleep apnea prevents you from having really deep quality sleep so um he actually falls asleep really quickly uh because he, he is sleep deprived and he just goes straight into snoring like we actually sleep in separate rooms we call it sleep divorce because <laughs> it prevents the real thing and uh, it's, it's the only way to was you know needs i can get a good night's sleep it just i mean it just wasn't working and that was that was another issue i was having when it when it came to me being sleep deprived for years he was snoring and I, we didn't realize he actually had sleep apnea so that's what we did. We had the sleep divorce thing set up and everything's grand now. <laughs> um, outside of sleeping, uh, people sleeping in different rooms, is there a way of fixing it? Yeah. So are you talking about snoring now or sleep apnea? So people who snore, and especially people who snore loudly, are high risk people for sleep apnea. And they probably do have sleep apnea, but they're not aware of it. So that's the first thing that I really highlight. It's, it's a very big indication of, of having sleep apnea. And people don't realize that they actually have sleep apnea because they're asleep. When you wake up, the, the sleep apnea, it causes, it's a cessation of breath. So the brain kicks in, wakes you up just for a couple of seconds for you to stop snoring so you can start breathing properly. But an awful lot of time, you're not aware of this. And people who have the sleep apnea or bad snoring often wake up with brain fog the next day because it's depriving the brain of oxygen. The oxygen is not getting to the brain. How do you stop it? Well, with sleep apnea, Really, it's a medical sleep disorder. So you need to go to a doctor and get a sleep lab test done. It can be treated with a CPAP, which is a continuous um, air pressure. It's a mask that you put on. It's continuous pressure of air that goes and it keeps the airways open. A lot of people swear by it. But then there's other people that can't tolerate having the mask on their face. And uh, when it comes to snoring, if it's just a light kind of a snoring thing, I've heard of a lot of people sewing a tennis ball in the back of their PJs so that when they roll over onto their back, it forces them to roll over onto their side. So side sleeping is best if you do snore. But obviously, when you're sleeping, you may roll over onto the back. So that's that's something that I've that I've um heard and people do and it's just a tennis ball in the back of the pjs so that's another thing that you can do <laughs> i didn't realize it was sleep lab testing yeah 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 you can go to your doctor and get referred and there's loads of clinics around ireland uh, that do the, the the lab tests for sleep apnea there's, there's a lot of them and i think um in some cases as well you can bring a device home and it, it's like a recording device it, it records your behaviors or whatever and uh, you, you bring it back into the doctor or the hospital or whatever and they can determine then diagnose you yeah so whether you go in and do a sleepover in the hospital or bring home this device but yeah you can get tested first and if someone talks in their sleep is that similar to snoring or what's happening there <laughs> yeah well children do that an awful lot 
<laughs> the last the last couple of nights now, my nine year old daughter has been sleeping with me, and uh, she she's been talking in her sleep. <laughs> it's just so funny. But uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just basically when that happens is when they're dreaming, obviously. But it's when they're transitioning. And another thing as well that I find in relation to talking in your sleep is night terrors. And the night, there's a difference with night terrors and talking in your sleep, and that's when you're transitioning through the different phases. And the night terror is when they're kind of caught. They're not transitioning properly uh, between the different stages. But children are more prone to that and they do grow out of it. But talking in your sleep and walking in your sleep, it's generally more associated with children and they do grow out of it. And if adults experience it, is it just a high level of stress? Yeah, normally it is. It's anxiety because it's not allowing you to to, to rest, uh, to have a deep restful sleep. So you're not uh, allowing your body to, to go deep. Um, so there's obviously anxiety there. There's obviously thoughts on your mind. And I'd say if, if anyone does experience, I would suggest to use a worry journal or um, before they go to bed at night, write down everything that you have to do. Because a lot of the time we're caught up with, you know, the business of life and everything that has to be done. And if you actually put it down on a piece of paper, you're literally transferring it from your brain to a piece of paper. So it's been stored somewhere, except not in your brain. So that can help reduce anxiety as well. And if there's any thoughts and, you know, worried about things and uh, it can really help you to relax more and even you to have a, a deeper sleep. In writing the book and learning about sleep, has your own sleep improved? Yeah, it has dramatically. Now, I do have challenges. I'm not going to lie. I do have circumstances and events that do occur. I, for example, my husband has kidney stones at the moment, so I'm worried about him. And he, he's been in an awful lot of pain the last couple of days. Now, we sleep in separate rooms, as I said. So sometimes I may hear him getting up during the nighttime. Uh, he's a big man, <laughs> so he's quite loud sometimes as well when he gets up or uses a bathroom or whatever but it's on my mind so there has been times uh, during the week where I've been waking up now what I do find I do have the tools so I can go back to sleep fairly quickly so I do breathing and uh, I do deep belly breathing and uh, I uncross my legs my arms and do the breathing and I'd say I'd be gone back to sleep after maybe four or five breaths and uh, like really deep belly breathing. And it's just so profoundly effective. And uh, if, if, if you find that you can't go back to sleep during the nighttime, just go straight into breathing because it's taking the focus away from your mind onto the breath and you're doing that physical and you're a- activating uh, the parasympathetic nervous system again, that rest and digest nervous system, the relaxation, enabling you to go back to sleep again fairly quickly. So that's that's what I do. But I do have my challenges. I'm human and, and things do happen. <laughs> Tell us about how you got into doing Toastmasters. Toastmasters. Oh, I love Toastmasters. Yeah, so um, Toastmasters, I joined Toastmasters about two years ago and I think I just heard it through some network and somebody suggested to me it's great for helping you improve your speaking skills. So I joined the local one here in Atai. I haven't looked back. I just love it. So I joined it obviously because when I wrote the book, I started putting on workshops I started doing seminars and this is something I really wanted to spread the word but I was nervous about speaking and speaking in front of people and worried about what they think of me and was I good enough and you know was my content was I delivering it good so I joined Toastmasters to help me with that since joining Toastmasters I've done various roles in Toastmasters and now I'm the vice president for education and I'm the incoming president for next year I've been nominated, so highly possible that I'll be the president now next year for the Thai club. But um, I'm up for a triple crown award as well at the end of the year. So that's absolutely incredible. So I've just come on leaps and bounds in Toastmasters and um, 
gone into competitions. It's just, it's just incredible. And the, the social aspect of the Toastmasters Club is, is brilliant as well. But you learn so much confidence. And really the whole thing that I found with the speaking journey is any opportunity that you have to speak, whether it's doing a one-minute pitch or doing a full presentation, take the opportunity and and just say something because every time you do it, it's increasing your confidence and it's about skills, about building a skill. It's not what you you need to know about it. It's practicing of speaking. So the more you speak, the more confident you become and the more competent. And one of the things that I found is it's not about you know, the content that I'm delivering, it's how it's been perceived and adapting to the audience and what their needs are and really listening for, are they getting, are they getting what I'm saying? Do I need to change it a little bit or explain it a bit better rather than sticking to a script or something like that, you know? So that was probably the biggest, the learn that I got from Toastmasters, but I love it. And I think everyone should should try it out, especially if you're going down the, the route of, of public speaking. It, it sounds like after doing two years, your confidence and nerves have kind of, the nerves will still be there, but it sounds like you've you've challenged them, or not challenged them, but over, overcome them a bit. Yeah, there. yeah, absolutely. Oh God, absolutely. I mean, I'll never forget when Pat Slattery, he was my mentor for a couple of years and uh, he helped me from my first um, my first event and it was a jo- it was like a joint venture. Pat on a talk and Dr. Gloria Giovanelli spoke at my event as well and and Pat himself spoke and the morning (laughs) the morning of the event I rang Pat and I said Pat I can't do it I just can't do it I was physically unwell I was sick I I had no energy I was just zapped absolutely zapped I didn't sleep the whole night before it was just dreadful and he said, Joanne, your people are waiting here for you. Get into the car and I'll see you in a half an hour. So I got into the car and just drove. And I was grand once I got there. I'd done a little bit of energy techniques or whatever around it, got myself sorted. I've never looked back. And I was brilliant that day. Like, you know, it was just incredible. And to think that I almost, almost didn't do it. So, yeah. So, um, and that was my first event. And I haven't looked back since. <laughs> when you get into the car and, and do it. Whatever Pat said to me, he, he, it was like, I read indirectly, you know, the underlying message that he was saying to me. He was like, Joanne, you prepared for this. And this is what you want to do. And your people are waiting for you. So there's people relying on you. Don't let them down. It was in that message I said to myself, Joanne, stop thinking about it so much because when you think about it, your brain talks you out of it. So I decided stop listening to that inner critic because that's what had my stomach in an awful state. And I was just, I was, I was sick, everything. So I stopped listening to what was going on in my head. I just took the action. The action was just get into the car and drive and you'll get there. And I knew as soon as I'd be there and I knew as soon as I'd be immersed with all the people, because it was everyone that I knew that I invited, you know, people were coming who, who knew me and Pat's influencers and, you know, Pat's uh, people as well were there. And I knew once I got there, I'd have the right energy around me and everything. And as soon as I got in that door, it was grand. Now, I still had a little bit of nerves, but it was exciting as well. And it was the whole day was just incredible. But it was really down to stop thinking so much about it, take an action, whatever it is. So for me, it was just getting into the car and just driving and not thinking about it and, and just getting there. And, and that, that was it. That was it. Now, it was very hard, but the more you take actions like that, the easier it is the next time you come up with a challenge like that. And I'd say the event was a, a success uh, going to. Uh, 
brilliant, brilliant. I have some of the videos up on my YouTube channel, but it was brilliant. And to have Dr. Gloria and Giovanelli there as well was incredible, you know, for her to come. And we had a whole expo event and it was brilliant. I, I think I think I was the first speaker on. Yeah, I was. I was the first speaker on. It was great. Once I got on the stage and I was on for an hour. Yeah, I was on for a whole hour. I enjoyed every minute of it. And that was one of the things that I really wanted was to enjoy it. I really wanted to enjoy the experience and I did and I achieved that. I think really it's when you set the intention and you put it out there in the future and you can visualize it. And that's what I was doing. I was visualizing kind of the end of the day and everything went great and blah, blah, blah. And that's how the day turned out. So it's just, again, back to the power of the mind and visualizing. So it was just incredible. And, and when you give a Toastmaster speech now, does, does, do you feel confident or is that, that image kind of come back in the nerves and everything or you feel okay? An awful lot of the speeches that I did in the beginning was all around sleep. Then I said to myself, okay, Joanne, you're going to have to do this a little bit differently because you're staying in that comfort zone of just talking about sleep. Let's step it up a little bit and talk about something else. So I spoke about some other various health aspects like brain health. I spoke about essential oils and aromatherapy and various other subjects. It was all health related. So my next challenge is I am doing an awful lot around that. Actually, I done a challenge there last month or two months ago where I kind of done like a play I was pretending that I was on the moon and, uh, it was it was dream and it was about dreams but I, I I took it a little step further where I was doing like it was kind of a humorous speech I was pretending I was on the moon and visualizing uh, that way so that was very new for me and way out of my comfort zone I dressed up like an astronaut and brought a spaceship onto this date my daughter made me a spaceship the week before it was so funny she made me a helmet a space helmet I just took the fun element into it, you know, so it's really trying something new and uh, challenging yourself, just keep challenging yourself to do something different all the time. So I'm not as nervous as I used to be. And again, because I'm taking challenges so often, it's not as extreme every time I do a new challenge. Let's say you're giving a Toastmaster speech tomorrow. Is there a, a way you prepare or a process you do to get into that zone? To yeah, yeah. So so for all our speeches, we have cer certain criteria for, for, for our speeches. But what's common in all the speeches is the structure of the speech. So and I suppose it's like a novel or a film or something. So you'd have an opening. So you'd have a really strong statement or, you know, a really strong opening that catches people and has people kind of leaning forward and getting them interested straight away. And then you'd have the body of your speech. So the body of your speech would tend to have three main points, for example. And then you'd have the closing. So the closing, again, has to be very strong, summarizing what was in the body and then tying it back to the, the beginning. So that's really the structure. So if you stick to those kind of rules and you can apply that with any presentation, you know, having a strong opening, summarizing at the end, you know, all that was in the body of the speech. But the one thing that I really learned about the speeches was not to have too much information in there. Because if you if you have too much information and you're trying to speak as fast as you can to get it all in there, you're just going to lose people. So less is more, as they say. So so that's that's really if I was and I have often been asked to do a speech with a couple of days notice. Yeah, I've come up with something. So just applying those techniques is really effective. As becoming a president and getting awards, what's next in your uh, Toastmastering? Well, the president is going to be a big challenge for me and the current president asked me to do it and I said, I was like, no way, I wouldn't have a clue, you know, because uh, we've gone, there's, there's, there's a couple of systems in Toastmasters and like I'm finding it very challenging at the moment doing VPE for education. 
but uh, well initially I did but now it's not so bad because it's just a matter of uh, learning and understanding and finding out how it all works and being accountable for people's education how far they're progressing you know you have your the VPE is the right arm of the president presidents in most organizations or whatever seem to have less of a role and I know my husband he's mad into golf and he was captain in the golf club and then he uh, transitioned into president he always told me our president's been president is is very easy <laughs> in comparison to all the other roles so I'm looking forward to being president and you know standing for the club and yeah and a big thing that I did um, in the last couple of weeks with the with the virus going around and everything's going virtual we set up a virtual meeting so I organized that and of course there's a few people who are techno phobias so we got around that that was a big challenge for me so we got around that and, and we did have a very successful virtual meeting that I hosted and I I did the Toastmaster, the Madam to- the, the Toastmaster person is the one who chairs the meeting. So I nominated myself as the Toastmaster for that week and I hosted it and on Zoom and got everyone set up and it was just incredible, you know, it really was. So that was me being a leader again in Toastmasters and helping to keep the club alive even through this transition. So I just love Toastmasters and, you know, any challenge is just fantastic. It's just great. Yeah, you need a, to, to be human, you need a challenge, you know. I think that's what we're built for, you know, we really, because, you know, human beings are built to grow and challenges as part of growth and seeing a lesson and everything. And again, I believe that's why we were put on this earth is to challenge or to experience life you know challenges and to overcome them and we have to go through a challenge we have to go through the experience to get the learning we can't avoid it if we avoid it it's going to come back louder and louder it's like it is a disease in the body if you if you ignore your body you know you're going to get more pain and more pain a louder message so it's about going through it and experiencing it and you know doing whatever that needs to be done to overcome the challenge and get through the other side I'm going to go back to sleep for a second. Um, valerium, have you have you heard of that? Valerian, yeah, yeah, the herb. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, a horse yeah. tranquilizer. The, valer- the, valer- the root. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I use the essential oil as well. And uh, it comes from the root of a plant. So it's very grounding. I mean, what perfect, you know, to, to eat um, root herbs or uh, the essential oils that come from the root. Um, it's really grounding and helps you to relax and really turn on that parasympathetic nervous system, help me to rest teas like nighttime teas with with that drink uh, or using essential oils and valerian is very strong uh, in the essential oil so i like to mix it with lavender i'm a professional aromatherapist as well actually that's why i love to talk about the oils as well so the valerian and mixing that with lavender oil um is very effective it's, it's really grounding do you drink the valerian or do you apply it to your skin the, the essential oil, I have the essential oil um, that I use, the herbs as well. So um, I don't have any right now, but I did have, I did, I did drink it, do drink it at, from time to time, the, the tea, like a herbal tea. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can get it in all sorts of, of forms, but it is, it is a very effective one. And you mentioned routine. So regardless if it's teas or showers or whatever tool or trick we use, it, it probably has to be in that structure routine, right? Yeah, like especially the last hour before you wind down for bedtime because, you know, the body needs to, you know, sleep is not an on-off switch. You need to wind the body down. So you need your core body temperature 
needs to be reduced to enable the onset of all the hormones and that the sleep hormones and everything else that's required for to get you to sleep. You also need your blood pressure and heart rate all to come down, obviously for your parasympathetic nervous system to turn on, allowing that calming state to now allow you to go into a deep phase of sleep. So what you do in the last hour is very individualized. So it could be reading, it could be doing some gentle stretching, yoga, having a hot bath. And one thing I like to do with the bath is you know, having a hot bath or a hot shower is great because it's heating you up. It's helping to relax the, the muscles. Magnesium actually is great as well in your bath. Magnesium because it helps to relax the, the nervous system on your muscles. But having the hot bath, it's heating up the skin. So it's heating up the exterior of the body. And when you get out of the bath, your body, the outside, it's starting to cool down. Um, so this is the cue. This is what's actually happening. This is the cue for the body to go to sleep. But another thing as well that I like to do in the shower is to finish my shower off with cold water and this is this is a great this is great for inflammation and it's great for getting the brown adipose tissue um activated as well and there's lots of there's lots of energy mitochondria energy all that in the brown tissue the brown tissue so the but there's lots of cold therapy is really really great and it and it is very effective as well for helping with the onset of sleep as well so there's various different things the one thing that i hear people doing is going mad exercising right before bed to help to tire them out and that's probably the worst thing you can do because you're increasing the core body temperature but you're also you've got excess cortisol and adrenaline still in the body and it takes a long time for the adrenaline to go out of the body so that's why i say just do gentle exercises or stretching before bedtime but do exercise and or especially with strenuous a couple of hours before bed to, to allow for that core body temperature to cool down and if someone is flying a transatlantic, do any tricks for or tips for jet lag? <laughs> well, you're always going to have jet lag. So you can do a few things that will help you overcome it a lot quicker. The rule of thumb basically is for every time zone that you cross, it takes one day for your body to come back to normal. Now, you might not really notice it necessarily, but it's so say if you're flying like I did to China there a few months ago, and um, that was a 10 hour flight. So the first thing is to really hydrate yourself really, really well beforehand and get a good night's sleep the, the night before as well. Like really get a good night's sleep and hydrate yourself and keep yourself hydrated during the flight and don't drink alcohol on the flight. Rest as much as you ta- can during the flight. But really the key thing is to align yourself, like set your clock for the time of the new uh, destination where you're arriving and operate in around that so like adjust your time accordingly uh before you arrive so if you arrive during the daytime but you know in the morning you want to get out and get the sunshine first thing in the morning in that new destination because that resets that body clock and you how you sleep at night time is how your day starts as soon as you have daylight over there go out into the daylight because then you're aligning your body to the new circadian rhythm of you know the current day and night time so that's probably the biggest tip but get as much rest and kind of align yourself into the timeline you know as you're traveling over there and uh, drink plenty of fluids as well beforehand and during and after it's fascinating how traveling and time difference can mess up our circadian rhythm yeah and and when you go and look at um the two the two occurrences during the year when you have the clocks going forward and the clocks going backwards and that can really disrupt people and that's only one hour we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) so you can imagine when you're traveling you know a couple of hours going across time zones and how it can affect you 
So yeah, not to be underestimated. Yeah. You mentioned some of the telomere cells um, and I know the telomere cells help with longevity. Do you think sleep and longevity help each other? Yeah, absolutely. And in all aspects, you know, you're helping the body detoxify and enabling the body to, to optimally work and function. You know, it has been shown that, you know, people who sleep optimally they have more longevity. The, 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 cell, the cells are opti- acting out more optimally. It's the cell communication is what you're enabling. Because you see, the body is talking to, uh, or each of the cells are talking to each other. They're communicating all the time. And when we have good cellular communication, because your cells are, they're working together. It's like in your immune systems, you've got your your B cells and these are flagging all the pathogens for your killer cells to come along. So they're actually highlighting, you know, for your killer cells to come along and and eat up those pathogens. So that's one form of cell communication. And there's just, just thousands of them in the body. But if we have, you know, if we're not allowing our body to detoxify or rest or repair and rejuvenate, we're impeding all that. And that's basically what it all comes down to, cellular communication. If someone is trying to figure out, you know, sleep patterns or anything, what's that's the best thing that someone should start with? Yeah, so it's different for everybody. So the first thing is how many hours of sleep do you actually need? And like we all do have a set amount of, of hours and there's guidelines. So for an adult, the typical is between seven and nine hours. Now, some people may only need not seven hours. Me personally, I need to have at least eight and a half to nine hours of sleep every night for me to work optimally. So we're all individuals. So we need to identify how many hours it is that we need to sleep. So the best way to work this out is to, you know, pick a day when we don't have to be up at a certain time. You know, our, our wake up time is not socially determined for work, for example. So pick a day where you don't need to get up and go to bed, wake up the next day without an alarm clock. Just see how many hours that you've slept So say if you've slept for seven hours and you woke up naturally and you've slept for seven hours. So that's that's how you determine how much sleep you actually need. And if you're if you wake up refreshed and ready to go, then, you know, you've had a good quality of sleep. So, again, seven hours, that's what you need for your sleep. And then what was your question? Uh, A structure, is it you said? Yeah. So determine how many hours it is that you need. Waking up and going to bed and waking up at the same time every day is really, really critical. So for some people, they work Monday to Friday and their wake up time would be socially determined or you may have kids I mean, say if you're a stay at home parent and you have kids in school Monday to Friday so Saturday and Sunday would be a day off so most people tend to have a lie on on the Saturday and the Sunday and they may go to bed a little bit later on the Friday and the Saturday night statistics show that you know when you're working a lot of people the majority of people would be late more often on a Monday morning coming into work and this is because they find it hard to get out of bed because they've shifted their circadian rhythm over that couple of hours on the on the Saturday and the Sunday. So it goes to show you, the more consistent you are with waking up and going to bed at the same time, you know, you, you'll reliably wake up at the same time every day and it will get to the stage where you won't even need an alarm clock in the mornings to wake up naturally because your body will just be so primed. But it's because, you know, when we're waking up and going to bed at different hours, it's causing the body to have to align all the time and the body's trying to figure out what the optimal time is to wake up and go to bed at night time. And this is happening all the time behind the scenes and that uses up energy in the body so the more routinely aligned we are with our circadian rhythm the less energy uh, the body is using and it also 
everything just flows and you will find you will sleep much better you'll fall asleep much better and you'll stay asleep during the night time and you'll sleep more deeply and then you'll wake up refreshed so you'll get all that when you fall into this routine it's just incredible you know when, just by following this simple routine and like even some people say oh man Saturday morning I'd love to have a lie on you know so I say to those especially if some people need to be up at five o'clock in the morning I say look you know maybe sleep on for an extra hour but don't leave it any longer than an hour that's what I would say because if you go over the hours you know staying in bed you're, you're going to really start messing up your circadian rhythm so getting up and, and going to bed at the same time every day really really helps to prime that body and get you into an optimal routine what's your view on napping napping is yeah i agree with napping however i would say keep it to a minimum of 30 minutes if you nap any longer than 30 minutes you're actually in the danger of going into a deeper phase of sleep because again all these stages one two three four and five the stages one and two would probably last for you know uh 20 minutes 25 minutes when you go beyond 30 minutes you're starting to go into a deep phase of sleep if you only have time for like a half an hour or say an hour if you fall asleep for an hour and you have to get up you wake up an hour later and you're more groggier and you feel worse than ever before like you may hear people saying oh i'm not going to have a nap because i'll wake up worse and that's the reason why is because they're sleeping longer over that 30 minute mark and they're actually waking up when they're in a deep phase of sleep so it takes a long time for the for the brain waves and the body to adjust again and and that's what's happening so if you are taking a nap i would say just limit it to maybe 30 minutes and do it as early in the afternoon like don't take a nap at seven o'clock in the evening for example because you're dipping into the sleep drive that sleep pressure which we need to build up we need sleep pressure to build up to enable us to be tired for that onset of sleep so nap as early as you can maybe before or before two o'clock maybe three o'clock even i wouldn't go any more than three o'clock if you do need to have a nap your siesta time yeah exactly exactly that's it exactly yeah joanne uh, looking back on everything you've done so far if you could give advice to your, your younger self or your younger self could give advice to you what would it be you know the advice that i would i would give myself would be to have fun when I when I was growing up, I had an awful lot of responsibilities at a very young age. I feel that I lost out an awful lot in my childhood, and I think it's really important. Um, that's again, that's why I'm so passionate about children that they get the opportunity to have a childhood. I think it's really important to have fun, and I think that's what an awful lot of us are missing in our lives is to have a bit of fun, because fun takes away all the seriousness of life. We do have to bring that childlike quality back in ourselves. But I think for my younger self is to you know, have fun, you know, enjoy life as it is and not take things on too seriously and uh, really find what's important to you, not somebody else. To find what what's really important to you that really makes you tick, you know, that really makes you, you know, love life to the full because it's coming from your heart. It's coming, you know, that's where your passion is and your drive is, whatever it is really identify that and know what it is that that's important to you and not somebody else and to have fun as well that they, that that'd probably be it if you met someone in the street and they said joanne hey i need one piece of advice or, or tip what would it be i would again i'd go back to whatever is most important to you because you know your your cup has to be full up before you can give to anybody else you know and life is all about giving and receiving you know and like again that comes from kind of the heart energy giving and receiving if you give somebody something from a place where your cup is only a quarter full you're not really doing them much justice really you know come from a place of you know fill yourself up like really fill yourself up with what's important to you 
and find out what it is that's really, you know, that's that core value to you and nobody else. And, you know, when we're young and we're leaving school, your parents will say, you know, they, they'll get you to go for this job or that job because they think that's the best thing or you learn the most money doing this job. That doesn't work because it's, it's not what you want to do. So, you know, really find what that passion is, what it is that you love. And, you know, even any job that you go for, you've got to enjoy what you do. So really, again, really go back to what it is and find what it is that really, you know, that you're passionate about and that really has you thriving in life. Uh, Joanne, if people want to come and find you or learn more about your work, where can they go? Brilliant. Yeah. So my book, first of all, is how to get a good night's sleep dot com. And um, you can also buy it on Amazon. And my own website is joannecallahan.com. They can find me there and they can find any events or online courses that I have. And I do have a special one on at the moment. Boost your immunity with better sleep. And uh, you'll find that on my website as well. There's a special offer on that at the moment as well. So joannecallahan.com, you'll find everything there. Joanne, it's been a pleasure and thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. I really appreciate it and I really enjoyed our chat today. Thank you very much. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.